Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This is the Mark Boris Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Mark Boris Show. Now, today I'm going to be talking to two business owners who are in the business of education, but at different ends of the spectrum. Our first guest is Peter Neal, who is the co-founder of CodeCamp. Now, I'm fascinated with this uh, type of concept. CodeCamp teaches kids how to code online and make their own apps. I reckon it's a brilliant business. And then later on, I'll talk to Selena Mazurin, the founder of FBI Fashion College in Sydney, who has been teaching fashion business and fashion design for over 23 years. Okay, let's get straight into it. So... Pete Neal came up with the idea of CodeCamp in 2013 after working in technology as an app developer, but with a background in education, which I guess is pretty important. Since then, it's grown to a business with 23 full-time staff around the country and more than 15,000 kids have been to a CodeCamp in the last four years. 15,000 in four years. That's pretty good numbers. Welcome, Pete. How you going, mate? Yeah, very well, thanks. How are you? Good, mate. Uh, Now, the the thing that fascinates me about this, and I I just think it's a a great concept, um, is that just take away code camp for the moment, just what the content is, take that bit. But the concept is that today parents are working during the holidays. Um, they don't want to send their kids somewhere for just child mining, although they will. But they take the view that if I'm going to get my kids minded, I might get might as well get some value out of all this. Um, so code camp obviously does that because it's a new language. It's like kids learning to play the piano or learning to speak French or Italian or some other language. So how did you come up with all this combination of things to sort of actually put it into code camp? In other words, teaching kids code. Well, I guess the the starting point was actually the kids themselves. So both uh, myself and my business partner, Ben, we were working technology. And especially he had a, a bunch of kids coming up to him and they were super interested to learn this stuff. You know, kids or the parents? The kids themselves, they wanted to learn this. And so his first idea was... Um, I'll just refer them to some online material to have a go. And, and he did that. But of course, kids being kids, they got a bit bored. They got distracted by YouTube, all that sort of stuff. And they came back and they wanted to be taught, you know, person to person. Um, and so then he and I had a chat about, you know, what's the best way to do this? You know, how can we, how can we get in front of kids? How can we, is someone outside the education system actually get in there and teach kids, you know, this, this fundamental skill that we consider unbelievably important. And Code Camp was where we ended up. So we, we ran it as, as, as a one-off. We were assuming just this first group of kids would be the, the, the you know, ultimate group of kids that were interested. Um, but that one went well, and we basically went from there, one to two, and then we did it sort of for a year after that. Each holidays, we'd just get together. It was, it was a little bit of holiday fun, really, to be honest. Um, but each time, you know, double as many kids came along. 
until after a year we thought, you know, there's actually, like you said, you know, two sides to this demand equation. On the one hand, kids love this stuff, but on the other hand, Parents are getting the kids minded. Yeah, that's true. But also, you know, this is, I think, for a lot of parents, new terrain, because I think parents are used to knowing the answers. You know, if, you, if your kid comes up to you and asks you about how this works or that works, most parents know how to explain that. But technology coding, it's a new language. Often, I think parents can feel a little bit kind of disenfranchised and not able to give the kids the answers that they might give them for other subjects. So for something like Code Camp to exist and for parents just to be able to kind of, you know, know that there's a, a trusted third party that can that can help kids, you know, uh, become part of this new world, then I think that's a, pr- a pretty good kind of comfort zone for parents. Right. I've I, I got to be honest with you now. Like, uh, I don't want to sound like some sort of uh, spook, but um, I actually went into the Askham one. Yep. A year or so ago, because I've had this con- uh, uh, this view for many, <laughs> many years that, um, you know, taking entrepreneurship courses into to kids during the school holidays, like get them to do a pitch, come up with a new idea, give them a problem yeah. to solve, come up with an idea. So I wanted to know how Code Camp worked, and I actually yeah. went into the one at Askham. I just wandered in. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, and I went into the class, and I noticed uh, what the kids were doing on the screens. I could see what they were doing on the screens, and, and I saw how you had um, your helpers there, sort of like um, t- teachers, et cetera. Yep. I guess that there's a lot more to it than just coming up with a great idea. I mean, there's a lot of uh, depth to this. I mean, clearly there's the recruitment of people who do the teaching. How would you go about the recruitment process? Well, that's actually been um, an interesting part of this equation to unlock because what we did find was there's no – um, population of people that are just ready to go into classrooms and do this. Except so, students. Yeah. So, yeah. So we've had to kind of build, I guess, like a complementary group of people who can do it together. So a combination of school teachers, combination of uh, computer science uni students um, and those types to come together to bring all the required skills. Because um, you, you do have, you know, a whole, whole lot of teachers that are enthusiastic about this area, but not, not, might not know a great deal about it. And you have a lot of people that know a lot about computer science, but might not know a lot about teaching. So we bring them together and work as a, you know, sort of cohesive team to deliver it in, in the classrooms at the, at the code camps. Because so I don't want to, that's what I like to ask you, but did you actually um, uh, do some sort of accreditation course for your teachers? In other words, do you take them through your core program and sort of make them train and sort of say, look, this is the standard which we require? Yeah. So we, we run all our own training, but I guess in the sense that, uh, a lot of them arrive with some part of the skill set. So, uh, some of it is assumed. So obviously, we don't we don't teach someone to to understand computer programming in, in our training. Um, we we trust that people through our vetting process have those skills. And likewise, on the teaching skills teaching side, we'll get, we'll hire you know trained primary school teachers to to sort of be that um, teacherly sort of you know I guess people that have the experience dealing with people that have the experience dealing with kids um to be able to to do that side so there's a lot of there there is kind of vetting in terms of making sure they know the fundamental skills and then the training is much more about like you said the standards that we expect the delivery that we expect all the systems that we use that kind of stuff punctuality um yep. uh, repetition you know make sure that they teach the same thing in the same school yep to, to, punctuality to the in the iphone generation is an interesting concept so yep. we do have to work very hard on that one to make sure that the the, the staff are there on time because the parents and the kids are definitely going to be there on time so that's well the parents are paying for it yeah. so <laughs> and, and I, as i recall uh, in the brief I was, it's like like three fifty, four hundred bucks for the but five six days, five days. Yeah, so the, we have a three day camp which is three fifty, yep. and a four day camp which is four forty. Right. So and 
what do the kids get when they come out of it? Do well, they get a certificate or something? Or? They do get a certificate. Because kids a, love certificates. <laughs> they get a certificate and they get a medal. Yep. Um, and then they also get their own app to take home and, and put on their iPhone, their iPad. Um, they're game apps, aren't they? Yeah, they're games. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, th- and, and what age group are we talking about here? Uh, seven to 12-year-olds. Right. And so. do you block them out? Do you say, like, let's say kids 10 but never done Code Camp before? Do you put that kid in with the same 10-year-olds who have done it every year for the last three years? Yeah, so we, we do work them through kind of a progression of lesson plans. So they'll they'll arrive at our Spark lesson plan, which is for, for, for beginners. Um, and then we've sort of got three more levels above that. As they get more advanced, um, they can move, move through and learn uh, both more complicated logical ideas, but then... In the final level, uh, more complicated syntactical ideas. So actually, that typing freeform code languages and and becoming a lot more, um, yeah, a lot a lot closer to I guess what professionals would do than than the beginning sort of drag and drop layers, which are very much designed for kids to, I guess, just expose the ideas and not get caught up in you know full stops and semicolons. So what's the outcome? What, I mean, what do you think is the outcome of these kids? Like, what are the good stories you've got from it? Have kids anyone come up with anything brilliant, or um, or is it, or are they just feeling confident? What are their parents telling you? Well, I guess the the the, the main outcomes for for most kids are that they that they get uh, one, they get that confidence in this this new language that they it's no longer something that other people do; it's something that they can do, and they can start to look at computers and technology more as productive tools rather than consumption tools. Um, and then, as we work through, we we do get the kids that come out the other end that that become you know sort of child child heroes to some degree, and they go publish their own apps. On the app store, they start hacking into the government, or something. <laughs> hacking, well, that, yeah. hacking into the school system. Well, maybe, but thankfully, I, go, I don't think that information reaches the parents to be recycled back to us. So we can't we can't confirm or deny that bit. But they definitely do go on and, and make their own apps. And and also, it's interesting. We do get a fair bit of feedback from parents that their kid has not really been um, rewarded at school much. They haven't really got much recognition for anything, uh, you know, that they, they haven't found their groove, so to speak. But then we do get a lot of kids that come to Code Camp and the parents go, you know, our, our, our child is actually, you know, has a, has a new confidence after this. They, they, they got rewarded for the best app in their class. They've never really won anything before. It was actually like a, you know, fundamentally changing experience. So it, it, we do get a fair bit of that feedback, which is not something that we ever went into this expecting. But it is obviously like a different way of approaching problem solving and, and, and logic. And it does suit some that in the normal school system might not get an opportunity to express themselves. So that's another outcome that we're... Well, it's sort of one of the things I find fascinating about um, programming or, you know, cutting code or however you want to express it. It's uh, not just like being able to go to school and speak French and none of the other kids can speak French and do better in French than in French language compared to the rest of the kids. It's not only that. But um, being able to code today is nearly like a physical uh, ability in that if you watch, even if you watch, you know, I know I'm, this sounds a bit weird, but I'm watching Homeland and I'm addicted to it and I'm up to series you know, five. And the ability of warfare, commit to warfare through programming and or software and the intervention and all those, all the IT stuff that goes with it mm-hmm. is nearly like a physical ability. And... To some extent, um, I mean, we do have bullying now through, uh, you know, the use of, you know, internet and Facebook and all those other things and the ability to navigate your way around these things and indeed even hacking or being able to know when you are being hacked. Yeah. Um, they are nearly physical muscularity type things for kids, whether they're boys or girls. Yeah. Um, it's taken on a sort of a third dimension, the ability to code. And um, I think it's more than I, – I actually think it's more than just kids being confident. I, I actually think it, it gives them some armory. 
Now, you've got to be careful they don't misuse it. But at the same time, it's it's another reason why they become extremely confident as a result of it. Mm. I can do something you can't do. Uh, it's not just I understand something you don't understand. I can actually physically do something that, by the way, can have an effect on you yep. and protect me. Yep. That's a sort of quite a – there's a, a lot of depth in coding today. It's gone beyond language, I think. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I think there's definitely – um, you know, that's, that's, that's part of the progression. And I guess you see it, well, on a simplistic level, I know that when I first learned to code, especially on mobile devices, that when you first make something appear on this, you know, device in your hand, it doesn't feel digital. It doesn't feel like a screen. It feels like a real thing that you made yeah. and, and it's actually quite thrilling and hugely satisfying. Um, and then, you know, sort of further on to the progress of technology, I think if you look at the way that artificial intelligence is you know more and more being coded to think like a person, and then on the other hand, you've got robots that are being coded more and more to um, have the physical capacities of a human as well. Then there's definitely that that interaction and that that sort of evolution that you're talking about. That you know it isn't just a way of speaking. It's it's a, it it is becoming you know this this physical entity of its own, um, and you know the primary goal of CodeCamp is is inspiration you know we want kids to come to have a great time and want to do more of this stuff but i do think that that what you're talking about you know further down the progression is 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 really powerful because if you look at australia as a, as a nation and we can make you know if our 8 to 15 year olds are better at this than anyone else in the world i think you can draw a pretty straight you know correlation that in 10 or 15 years from there we'll have one of the most pro- prosperous nations in the world as well because you I know, don't know about that I'm not sure about that Pete. Yeah. I reckon we're going to get now by India and China pretty quickly. maybe and <laughs> Russia we, and all but, these Europeans I mean um but they they eat this stuff for breakfast but look it's yeah. a great ideal but we'll leave that one for Malcolm Turnbull yeah. um <laughs> I, I, now now apart from the aspirational stuff um yeah. but let's talk about the business um you make your money Yes. You make money. So you make a living out of it? You and your partner make a good living? Yeah. Yeah. So where? So how, do, how much more can you expand? Uh, well, I guess there's, there's expansion comes in two forms. One is just making our camps product more available. Um, so I'm more interested in the money part. So how do you make your business better? What do you got to do now? What's your next step? Well, I mean, one is just rolling out our camps into more, more locations and yep. building a better marketing function around that to get more people into it. So is it, is it a simple matter of mathematics? In other words, the more locations, the more people I put on the ground, the more um, customers I can get or more students I can get, the more money I can make. Is it a simple matter of that just rolling out and expanding? Is, that's, is that what we're talking about? Or is it something more complex than that? Uh, it is a little bit more complicated than that in the sense that, um, you know, at the, at the price point where we operate, it's, it's, it's maybe not a product for, for you know, everybody because they can't afford it yeah so so what we do what what so that is you know one kind of an online business yeah so what we're doing is building much more of a um i guess a broad offering in a more of a a community sense so different products that might appeal to different people and also uh products that are accessible um and provide valuable uh contributions to schools as well so if they if they're looking like as as schools are especially in the the states where it's mandated by the curriculum to start doing this stuff in their schools to offer products you know that rely on our three years of of um, experience in this field to help them integrate into their classrooms so that you know that's um an opportunity for this to to reach more kids you know in via that mechanism so um it's about I guess broadening our offering as well as just rolling out the camps business. You know, or, or we're already in you know all the capital cities, barring um, Hobart. 
But uh, yeah, so we we, we do want to build our offering, make it you know of a high quality, and then also attract as many kids. Because seems to me you're at that you're at that inflection point now. Yeah, it seems to me you're at that point now where okay, how do I make real a lot of money out of this? Or and what do I do? Do I package it up and sell it to somebody? It's an education program. What's your end goal? I mean, what's your uh, um, you know exit strategy on this? Like every business, you got to have an exit strategy. It doesn't mean you got to exit, hmm. but what is your exit strategy? Well, I guess I mean we haven't we haven't defined an exit strategy at the moment. I mean we still view ourselves primarily as um, a company with a cause, and we're out there trying to educate as many kids in this space as possible. Um, and but you've got to have an exit strategy, mate, Pete. You've got to have an exit strategy. I mean, I'm not saying you need to exit, but what is your strategy? What is one of three things? Is it you list it, you sell it to somebody else, uh, you continue on, just make plenty of money, and bring in partners? What What's your strategy around this? What's your thinking? I don't mean you. I don't want you to define it. But what's your thinking? Well, I mean, I guess a fundamental part of our thinking is that we, you know, we're we're growing this as quickly as we can. We see that this is a really, um, this is a time where, um, you know, this area is incredibly popular. There's there's demand on all fronts. And what happens if someone else comes in and, and takes to the ground from under you? For example, Code Club, um, or well, one of these other ones. There's a few of them. Yeah, I mean, there's, that, that's another thing. Like we started when we started, there was clean air around this area, yeah. and it's absolutely become more. I know that's what I'm worried more, about. I'm yeah. not worried, but I'm asking. That's what I'm putting to you. So, what, in like, I mean, you know, what I really like the fact that you you have a, a higher view on this. Like you're trying to educate people and inspire kids, and I think that's brilliant. Okay, but the problem is you won't get to do that if somebody else comes and takes your grapes from you. You know, yep. they're they're going to march on you. And they're marching on you. I know they are. Mm. You know, I know them. The, the, yep. the banks are putting them up, putting these people on in their um, uh, holiday programs for bank employees' children, and they're starting. To, they're going to take to get the march on you. So you need to start to. Um, I mean, if you want to continue on with your, you know, honourable view, then in order to hold your position in the marketplace, you need to ramp up. And you need to have an exit strategy. Now, it doesn't mean you're exiting. It might mean you're bringing somebody into your business to build your balance sheet up so you can actually go even harder. That's what I'm trying to get from you here. Yeah. So I guess, I mean, I guess we are, yeah, to talk about the difference between now and when we started, it's a lot more competitive now. There's a lot more people, you know, sort of doing this kind of thing. Because you've done a good job and you've shown yeah, them how to do it. Exactly right. I walked uh, into your premise. I yeah, had a look. Yeah. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah, and if I did it, others are doing it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, what, what we're about now is the next level of what we're doing. So we've actually, uh, over the last six months, invested a whole lot of money into um, software because obviously, you know, we've seen what works and what doesn't. And we we're, we have a really fundamental understanding of what can be much better to achieve the outcomes that anyone wants, whether it's us, whether it's a school, whether it's a parent. Um, and so now, you know, our, our I suppose our our next vision of this is to, to, to utilize that and also to, uh, put those unique parts of our business, which we we haven't really promoted as much as just the the camp experience, uh, at the forefront of what we're doing, and really redefine ourselves and define ourselves differently to any of those competitors. Change so, the game, change the rules. In other words, yeah. Ch- change so the that, whole game. Yeah, and so that what you're talking about is, which is like a sea of sameness, no longer exists, and 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 you know, Code Camp can really become the only choice for this type of thing, and also for sort of I guess uh, related products as well. And, you know, so I guess in terms of exit strategies, it's, it's, it's very much not a lifestyle business. You know, we're, 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 we are pushing as, as hard as we can uh, because we think the time is right to do something, you know, uh, I guess profound in this space. Um, but defining an exit strategy, you know, beyond that, whether we're trying to, um, you know, have a trade sale or um, 
bring in a partner. Uh, yeah, whatever it is, we haven't defined that. We're, we're very much focused on just building our business as well as we can, as quickly as we can. Uh, I guess with the assumption that those uh, those sort of opportunities will exist and actually already come to, uh, come uh, I was to us. I say, people have been tapping on the shoulder? Yeah. Um, so, and what have you been saying to them? Fuck uh, off or? Well, much more politely than that because often That's they're very- yeah. That's polite. Yeah. It's business. <laughs> no, because often they're- Because the, the, when you say that to them, you know what they want? They want to come back harder. Yeah. Because to be honest, they've all like, the, the ones we have chatted to have been amazing people that, yeah. you know, at a different time we'd be, you know, honoured to be involved with, but- we're self-funded and we're, you know, happy with where we're at and, you know, we're, we're, we're reinvesting everything we can. And when there's, when we can, you know, I suppose spell out a big, uh, a big vision that we need, you know, some, a partner for, then that'll be the right time to do it. Um, but at the moment we've, we've been happy with our self-funded approach to get here. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I, how old are you? Uh, 37. 37. Um, you're a young bloke. I mean, relatively speaking, I guess. Um, how old your partner? Uh, he's 34. Yeah. Okay. I've seen lots of great ideas like this, um, and and who are the the forefront, the, the leaders in this in in their industry started it up. In other words, making good money, um, and have and it's just a gut feeling I'm getting right. I'm just going to share with you, um, and and know they're doing a good thing. They have the right values, the right views on things, and having right outcomes. And they say, no, we're good. We're self-funded. We don't need partners. And we are doing a good thing, but what happens is somebody comes and just—I just, I said it before—they just take the, the the rug right from under you, and then they put you in a position where you lose market share and you can't continue to do the right thing with the same effectiveness as you were doing in the beginning when you had it all to yourself. My advice to you is right now is you—I think you need to sort of sit back and have a good think about that um, because it may be you are self-funded, but. There's nothing like getting ten million bucks in your pocket and going and spending and really investing it in a business. You know, yeah. I mean, if if you're at that stage in a financial sense, I mean, enterprise value sense, I mean, and having a big partner. That's just a personal view. I know some people who've done it very well on their own and never, you know, raised any money and own a hundred percent. But I know plenty. That's rare. That's one in ten thousand. But I know plenty of people have done very well by just saying, okay, let's bring partners in now. And they more of those. There are more of those who've made less than the first group, mm-hmm. but there's plenty in the first group who've stayed as the only one and they've made nothing because they fucked it up. Yep. Because competitors come because they've done such a good job. Competitors come straight in and they've gone more aggressively in a business sense, commercially. Yep. I'm talking about now, not content, not distribution, not uh, aspirations and inspirations and good things. Doing the right thing. Yep. It's more. Real hard-edged, hard-nosed business commerce. That's that's the only observation I would make with you. Yeah. Um, now, you may well have this stuff nailed, and you might not be wanting to tell me because this is a radio show, <laughs> and you don't want your competitors to know what you're up to. But I like the the, the what you said, that um, we are going to change the rules of the game. In other words, everybody's running to the left of the field. We're going to pivot right now <laughs> and let them keep going to the left. If that's what you're saying, I love that. Don't need to tell me what that is because uh, – you know, obviously, competitors are listening, <laughs> and uh, but but if that's what you're doing, that's brilliant. Yep, that's yeah, that, that's. I mean, that's definitely our 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 strategy, and you know, we're. I mean, we have an amazing dev team, and we're super proud of what they're producing, and we really see that can be a you know a groundbreaking difference for us. Um, and and yeah, that's. I'm that's looking forward head. to seeing what happens now. I'm going to quickly ask because we might already answered the question, but do you have a question for me? Um, I guess I I do have a question. Um, in terms of 
you know, because obviously we, we just started as a, as a couple of guys that knew each other and, and we've grown our team now. Um, I'm interested to know when, when you, you've been building your teams, what are the key criteria you, you look for in, in staff? I look for who's appropriate at the time. Um, and often CEOs, businesses outgrow CEOs or CEOs don't keep up with businesses and or senior management, team, senior management group leadership teams people in the group leadership. So um, I think it's a, a reassessment process often. So maybe every 18 months or so, as the business grows, you start to reassess all the individuals in the business and ask them how do they feel like they're fitting in, but also take take a fairly cold, hard-nosed position yourself. Is this person or are these persons appropriate for where the business is at today? Because yep. businesses evolve. Like you were talking about your own business now, potentially pivoting to the right or left. Um, in which case you have to see is everybody on that journey with you and are they skilled up and appropriate for that, that new process? Yep. Now, in terms of your own business, I mean, I'm not talking about your, your dev people. I'm talking about your, your architects, your software architects, the, the strategy people, and then your ops people, people who actually make it happen. Yep. You know, people go out and employ all the students to work for, and teachers to work for you during the holidays. You know, you know are we doing something better or um, do we need to do something better than our current recruitment program? You know, that those real important people, your dev people, your dev people, they'll, they'll just do what they're told. So they'll sit there and de- they'll, well, they'll sit there and develop over and over and over. And as long as you really have the review process and the testing process, yep. you'll be right there. And I'm sure you want, you know you know how that works. But it's more your strategy people and your ops people. People get the, the feet on the ground and and you know the the people coming to bring the people to your show. Yep. How the show ends up. Um. So and it's a continual thing. You're always doing, always reviewing it. I mean, you're reviewing it two o'clock in the morning. Yep. At an individual level and at a group level. And then does everyone complement each other? Where's our weaknesses and where are our strengths? And where's that individual's weaknesses and strengths? Sometimes you can prove someone's weaknesses or, you know, they can train them up. You can, they can train up to the weaknesses, but other times you can give them a period of time to do it, but other times they just can't get there. Yep. All right. Pete, brilliant. I, I love your business. Cool. Thank you. And, and I've, I've actually experienced it. I've seen it. I think it's a, um, it's a great demand filler. And I wish you all the best. I'm really looking forward to seeing what you do in the pivot. Okay, awesome. Thanks very much. Johnny Pete. Our next guest is <laughs> Selena Mazurin, and Selena Mazurin is the founder of FBI Fashion School. It's a, a school that teaches fashion and all the ins and outs of fashion to, to their students. But sort of diametrically opposed to, to some extent to our previous guest in that he was a startup and uh, has great aspirations and is doing great things and, and good things too, right things for, for children during the school holidays and, and teaching them um, you know, how to code, et cetera. Um, but this is a business. And to be a business, to be around for 23 years, you've got to be actual business. So um, I guess this is probably going to be slightly less aspirational to our last guest and more commercial, and um, which is sort of why we got Selena in because we wanted to be able to sort of show the difference. I'm hoping this is what's going to happen, show the difference between a, an immature business and a mature business. Um, equally, there's a lot more upside probably in um, you know the technology business, which which we just talked about because it's sort of so expansive, so so able to be expanded. Um, so... Selena, I'm very happy you're coming because you're going to give us great comment uh, content today. Um, I'm I'm extremely interested to know: is fashion still something today that is taught, and or there is demand to be wanted to be taught to be in the fashion industry? In other words, what is there to teach people about fashion, and where do they get jobs as a result of coming to your course? 
absolutely there's a lot to be taught about fashion. We really specialise in the fashion business side, so it's everything other than design. Right. It's fashion styling, fashion buying, fashion marketing and PR, setting up your own fashion business, so it's also fashion startups, and now recently, lots of blogging. So, but it says um, you're a fashion college. Yes. So that, that's an education institution. Yes. As, yes. As such, in other words, yes. The I enrol you. You charge me fee, but I enrol and yeah. told me say I get some sort of certificate or a cert four or is it something along like a diploma? Advanced diploma. Yeah. Advanced diploma in yeah. fashion. Yeah. Um, and let's say um, you know, uh, you know, I send one of my sons to this uh, fashion school. He's just turned twenty. I send him to the school. Um, what would what's the return on my investment? Like what I what are you going to charge me to send him there to get the advanced um, fashion diploma for twelve months? Is it twelve months? The advanced fashion diploma is a little bit longer, so is that's it? two years. Two years, right? So yeah. is it full time? No, all part time study. Right, so he can work during the day. Yeah, he can work during the day, or he can go off to some internships. So yep. we set up some internships, which right. is great. He can get experience. Yep. But what he can do is choose between we do fashion design or he can do the business side, the fashion business side, which is learn fashion PR and marketing and styling and areas that I mentioned before or blogging, fashion blogging. And he comes out hopefully getting a a job or looking very attractive to an employer uh, to work in all areas across fashion, whatever he wants to do. So we'd interview him first and see what he's, what he's interested in and see his skill set, et cetera, and then put him into a, a suitable course. He can choose the course, whatever he's interested in as well, and set him on his way and take him down little stepping stones to hopefully get to his career goal. So like we just had, for example, I mean, I, I, I'm going to say I'm not really uh, – an expert in fashion, <laughs> um, but but nonetheless, I know it exists. I, I understand it, right? It, it, it's an important part of everything in, in day-to-day life. Fashion not being just in clothes, I presume. Fashion is is a whole lot of things, is it? Is it Or is it just more clothes? clothes, sty- clothes style. Ex- accessories as well. Styling, though. It's about styling. Yes, is that what we're yes. About we do a styling course as well. So you know what a fashion stylist may do? Yeah, well, I've had them on the TV show, yeah. There you go. Yeah, well, exactly I don't use that. Them. I don't use them. I just no? put my. Always... I just put a suit on. I just. I, I know. I'm not putting them down. But all the celebrities use them. For example, yes, all the celebrities absolutely. in the Apprentice always use the stylus. Some bring their yes. own stylus, yes. um, which is fine. So you choose your own clothing, do you? Yeah, I just wear. I just wear the same suit and same tie. Well, either a grey suit, grey tie, white shirt, or a blue suit, blue tie, blue well, white shirt. It's working for you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I just tried to get a nice symbol because I couldn't stand everyone fussing over me all the time. And the first time I did it, they wanted to have a person to look after him. But I, his name was Sharon. He was a great guy, but um, I didn't use him in the end. But um, irrespective, I'm not probably I'm, I'm a bad survey. But poor Sharon. Um, yeah, but 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 <laughs> but he did everybody else. He did all the celebrities. Oh, and, there you go. Uh, yeah. Well, that's what that's the kind that's, of thing that right. we teach. So yeah. you, you would yeah okay. So what I'm trying because the, the previous guest I had on here, mm. Pete, yeah, he's um, teaching kids to be able to do code programming. So mm. one day they might take up, do I go and do a computer science degree or they mm. might become a, a um, work as a developer in a, you know, some sort of um, internet-based business or IT business where they needed software mm. to be provided. Today, um, mm. where does a person comes out of your course go and get a job? That's what I'm trying to determine. Yes. 
fashion magazines. Magazines, right, okay. Yeah. Like GQ or some of that? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Vogue. Yeah, okay. We've got, just, we've got uh, a few people over at Vogue that are from us. Yep. Their own business. Yeah, so what would I, okay, let's say I, go, let's say I go into business for myself or my son goes into business for himself. He wants yes. to work for himself. Yes. Um, what would they do? Like they, how would they make money? You, your son may be a designer. Yep. So design merchandise and then sell it. Right, okay. Through their own business or wholesaler. Right. So you teach them how to be business people? Yes. That's absolutely that's sort of what I'm getting absolutely. to. Absolutely. Yeah. And even if they're doing design, the fashion design courses, they they learn business. So we co- combine the fashion design courses with the fashion business courses. They must know, as as you know, they must know business. Yeah, the, and the, the, the basic ones, stuff like, you know, um, basic, how do you set the business up? How do you employ basic. people? Yes. How do you keep your books? Absolutely. How do you run a budget and we forecast? Start right from the beginning. Right. So yes. you're really mm. you're in the business of teaching people how to be in business, but yes. fashion. Exactly. Okay. That's so it. That's yes. the guts of it. So that's you're actually giving you're giving mm. them all the core skills they need mm. to be a business person. Yes. Or be part of it. Be a business. Yes. Be in the part of it. Be in part of someone else's business. In other words, they might be the person who uh, is the creative part or they yes. might be the person who's in the, you know, like the marketing part or Absolutely. they might be the person who's in the rollout or the ops or whatever. Is that, that's, that's exactly what it is. So it's really not just a fashion education business. It's a business education business. That's exactly right. Yeah, so that, yes. that's sort of what I was trying to get yes. out of you. Um, so, yeah. And why did you call it FBI Fashion College? What's FBI? Oh, it's cool, but what does it mean? Fashion I'm... Business Intelligence. Okay, right. Okay. Yeah, I it kind it of plays on the FBI thing. Yeah, yeah. I thought yeah, it might have been something to do with the FBI, but like, no, I don't yeah. mean something to do with the FBI, but I thought you might have found some sort of interesting sort of uh, characterization of FBI, but it's called Fashion, fashion business, business Intelligence. Intelligence, yes. So in other words, you need, to be, you need to have some intelligence or data or information on being in the fashion industry. Yes. Okay. So, and 23 years. What's your yeah. background? How'd you get into this? I studied, uh, well, I did a couple of courses at, at TAFE and studied part-time. And then I went to David Jones and started at David Jones as a cadet, did their management course and was put through the ranks and ended up a, a selling department manager in fashion and then I started up my own businesses and one of them was an agency, a fashion agency. And I realized there was a market niche. There was a niche there. I was dealing with buyers and I was dealing with PR people, fashion PR people. And 23 years ago, there wasn't any education for for them. And I thought, well, I'm going to start teaching it. Okay, so that was, and that's that's cool. You just said, well, look, there's no course for these people. Is there one yeah. today, by the way, apart from your, yours? Is there other courses? a couple of people that have, right. yeah, that have started teaching business as well. But up until uh, three years ago, three four years ago, we were the only ones. So we've had a nice long run. Yeah, and and what is what's your intake? Is it mostly female or male? And what's your skew? As mainly work? female, yeah, about twenty percent male. And where do they come from? Like, uh, so what what would be their profile? So a, a female, a female person comes in, enrolls in the course. What's her profile? In other words, is she eighteen to twenty five? You know, give me a bit of a, a look at them. Oh, honestly, Mark, we have people across all demographics. And about 25% of our people now come from interstate. It's unreal. Is it online or you mean that they actually move down? They move down. Right. We don't have any online courses. Right. It's all face-to-face. But predominantly it's 18 to 25, predominantly. And 
they're just fashionistas. They're, they're people that have always wanted to do it. Some people are accountants. They've studied accountancy or another area and their parents have gone, well, you need something secure. And they've gone, well, I've got that now. And so now I'm going to study what I really want to do. Right. And and as a of the people who come to your course, um, do you keep stats on who actually gets a job in the fashion industry? It's a it's a hundred percent of those that are outstanding, oh, the outstanding students, the good students, the really good. So is it eighty twenty? All get eighty twenty rule, like twenty percent of the outstanding students. No, it's it's. I can honestly say that it's a hundred percent of the good students. That's like, what I mean. Which of the good mm, students? So, like, let's say you got a hundred people enrolled, are twenty percent of those good students, and the rest are sort of average. Or how's it work? No, around about forty percent. Ah, the about 40% uh, the good, of the the good, good students. students, right? And a hundred percent of those forty yeah. percent. In other words, forty in every hundred um, would be would get into getting a job in the fashion industry. They do pretty well. Yes. And do you track yeah. these people? Yes. Yeah. yeah. The, yeah. You, you've we've, sort of we've run actually an placed over fifteen hundred students into the fashion industry. Wow! And and you form an alumni with them. Do they come back to your? Yes. And they end up being. They call uh, us now regarding you know new students and who have you got? Right. And yeah, we've got we've got students from God from twenty three years ago that we keep in touch with, and thankfully, a lot of them are teaching now at the college. And how many people do you have working for you? There's eight full-time head head office staff and about 22 teachers. 22 teachers. And you're yeah. just in Sydney or just... Just in just Sydney. In Sydney. And uh, yes. what are your plans from here? Like, what are you going to do to sort of really commercialise this and, and ramp it? Look, If that's know. what you want to do, maybe you don't want to do that. No, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to be commercial. We, 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 we asked, we've asked students right throughout the 23 years how they want to see the the college and and what they expect from the college and they they've all said that they love the exclusive personal assistance thing so we're not going to open up at this stage in another in another area uh, we may go to larger premises in sydney which i think could be could be good maybe in in the city somewhere but we just want to make the students that enroll happier and for two examples of what we're doing, how do you is, make more money out of that? Beg your pardon. How do you make more money out of happiness? No, I'm, there's nothing wrong with not making money out of happiness, but I'm, I'm, well, the happiness meter is quite interesting because you know some countries actually um, don't measure GDP; they measure ha- uh, gross domestic happiness. For example, I think it's um, uh, it's one of the um, uh, countries in the continent, like somewhere like um, I don't know, Burma or somewhere like Bhutan mm. or something that they they measure people's happiness. Yeah. Um, it, that's an important goal yeah. for some, but others who might be listening to the show now are interested in how do you uh, scale business up to make more more cash? Um, well, we do. We always measure their happiness after every single sub after every single module, subject, class. We measure their happiness. We, we they fill out a feedback form, and we're there every time they walk into the class and every time they walk out of the class, asking them how their class went. Were they satisfied? And one thing we've we've noticed is that they want it's the whole world's global now, and we're taking them overseas. So last year we took them to Paris, on a to the Paris Fashion Week, and we've in cahoots with this uh, French school. They actually started in 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 Milan, but they're all they've got five places now that they teach out of, and we're 
partner partnering up with them and taking the students to five different destinations around the world. So in this September, we go to Milan and Florence. And yeah, that's, that's how we make them happier, I think. And does that, and does that then translate into more business? I think so. I think it or attracts a, a better, more, more a, again, a better student. Yeah. You know, we're, we're really after the, uh, not the, not a, a quantity, but we're after a quality student that would do very well. So as you make a living out of this, you've been doing it for 23 years. That's it. You, you don't have another yes. income or anything like that? Uh, outside no. this? No, no. Or a, or a bloke who's there, you know, paying all the bills. <laughs> this, is, this is your business. This, this, this supports you. Yeah? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes. So, so uh, your objective in life... Yes. Let's say we'd go. You go at this business for another twenty three years. Mm. Would you be in twenty three years' time? Will you be happy enough mm. that you're in the same position? In other words, where you are now. In Absolutely. Other words, yeah. So that's yes. that's that's your objective. That's your goal. I'm very yeah. I've con- consider myself very fortunate to have the life that I've had, and to hopefully to have helped a lot of students at, with their with their dream to get into their, you know into their chosen field in fashion. Because so I hope to keep on doing it. Because your, your business, because it's not online, and it's, no. and it's sort of not as scalable as some other businesses. And Yes. And to, I mean, you can scale it, but in order to scale Absolutely. it. But in order to scale it, though, you need a lot of physicality and it's going to actually drag you from pillar to post. You're, you're going to be all over the place because if you if yeah. you were to say I'm in Brisbane and Melbourne and Absolutely. Perth and, you know, and Paris or whatever. Do that. So, so what you've decided is that's not what you want to do. And no. I think people listening to this show today need to understand it's always about defining your objectives day one and being comfortable with your objectives. Yeah. Um, what you've got to be is you've got to understand this is my objective. I'm yes. going to stay mm. with what I've got because I'm happy with it mm. um, as opposed to not being sure which way you want to go. Some people don't know whether they want to be scale. Some people don't know whether they want to be inspirational, aspirational, giving great content, blah, blah. Um, you need to make a decision. I'm going to mm. go for scale and I want to be the biggest in the industry and mm. I want to be global. Good. That's that's a good objective. Understand it and then go for that. Mm. Or do what you're saying here, Selena. Yes. I've, I've been out in the business for 23 years. In another 23 years' time, I'll be happy if I'm in exactly the same same yeah. position um, and uh, because I am happy with what I'm doing. Yes, that way you'll get the right outcomes. Yeah. So can I ask you, is there a question that you would like to ask? Because it seems like there's nothing you need to know about your business because you're, you're happy with what you're doing. But is there a question that you would like to ask me? Yes, I'd like to ask you. It's not got to do, does it have to do with business? It can do anything you like. Oh, good. Do you like red wine? I love red wine. Oh, good. What have you got? You've got a bottle of red wine for me. Exactly. It's a bit early for red wine though. It's nine o'clock. Ah, oh, thank you, Selena. That's lovely. Thanks very much, my dear. Thank you. But you don't have a question for me about about your business or about your future or you know what you're going to do, or maybe you want to tell me something and just throw something my way and just say, well, Mark, you know, I'm doing this. What do you think? I don't have a question about my business. Uh, because I think that we, we know where we're going and unless you've got an input on what I've said to no, you. No, I don't because I, I, my, gut, my gut feeling from you right now, if you don't mind me saying so, is that you're quite satisfied with where you're at and where your business is at. And by the way, you've been in business for 23 years. So mm. your business is hardly a startup. It's definitely a mature business. Mm. And um, sometimes we just it's just good to be happy enough. Yes. And happy enough is an important concept. Yes. You're happy enough with where you are. Mm. Sure, you may be happier, 
But, we're not greedy. But in being happy, you have to chase. We're, we're only greedy to get a, a even like a, a, a the highest quality student that we can get and work with the best fashion companies that we can work with. We don't want to be bigger. We just want to be better. We want to be better at what we're already doing. And look, over 23 years, we could accept overseas students and we could give them visas and we could do all of this. We could have opened up in, in Brisbane or, or, where, or wherever. Or Beijing or wherever. And there's markets all around the place and that, that is a possibility. Do you have many overseas students? No, we don't accept overseas students. Really? Yes. So, I mean, because yes. I, I just assumed there would be a lot of overseas students to, to satisfy the visa requirements. You know, like, you know, I've got, I'm doing a course, that, that sort of stuff. Well, we could, but I choose not to. Right, okay. That's yeah. interesting. So yeah. just local Australians. Or Australians. Not Australian, but local people. Yeah, people yeah. in this country. Local people, uh, and, yes. um And they're... That's amazing. I just would have, and I shouldn't have assumed this, but I would have thought at least half your students are from overseas. No, we do it exactly because of the reason that you just said, where a lot of people come here just to do a course, just to enrol into a course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that doesn't produce a great student. Yeah, so you you actually have that sort of higher higher order value that you want to actually produce a good yes. quality student yeah. who I, actually is going to be. Well, mm. one of the things that I, I got something I want to say to you. I, I'm in a, an observation. And I don't really understand fashion, but the fashion industry seems to me to be changing rapidly. Like I got mates mm. in retail, fashion retail, and mm. they're just screaming with mm. difficulty. Like it's yeah. just a hard industry, closing yes. down stores and what have you. Mm. And uh, fashion has been going through a major sort of change mm. it's over the last four or five years. Mm. Um, does your course account for that? In other words, Absolutely. take all that stuff into account and yes. make sure that your students don't come out of your course and end up having to work for somebody with a shop front? Absolutely, yes. Because that's restricted. It's, it's all moved digital. Mm. And I, I really, you know, I really feel sorry for people that are in PR and marketing because it's done a complete 180 in 23 years. And it, it's really gone online. So a lot of people can do their own PR now and all social media, really. You know, you get your Facebook, you get your Instagram going and whatever. But that's what we teach. They're our new subjects. So we've added a, an advanced diploma of fashion business and they're our new subjects to account for moving forward. Well, Selena, I, I, want, to thank, I, I want to thank you. I want to just stay online when we close off because we have a chat after this. But um, I want to thank you for coming in. It's, it's quite interesting to have you come in today because you're sort of at the other end of where our first guest was. He's just started up mm. and he's young and ambitious and you know, he's sort of trying to find his feet to some extent mm. and he's got a, and he's in a new industry, total new industry. Mm. Whereas you're in an old industry, mm. um, but which is experiencing lots and lots of change, but you've been in his business for 23 years. So you, you know where it's at. You've got yeah. your shit together basically. Thank you. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I, and I really think it's fantastic for people who are listening to the show to be able to see the two types of business. You're definitely not a startup but just see what happens when you've gone through all the various stages and you get mm. to a point where you're actually satisfied with what you've got mm. and you're happy enough. Mm. And I've talked about this a lot, just being happy enough. People say to me, are you happy? Sure, I could be happier is an answer, but I'm happy enough. That's really important. Yeah, and mature so business too. must get to that happy enough stage and I'm going to be very happy when I have this glass of wine. Thanks, Selena. Cheers. That usually makes me happy. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. This has been the Mark Boris Podcast. You can follow Mark on Twitter at Mark Boris. 
and find out more at markboris.com.au. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.